0: Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. And I'm Father Shane Demon. We're not coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. We're actually in the Diocese of Des Moines. Yeah. In the Des Moines Metro right now. We are. Here we are. South side of Des Moines. South side. First time actually recording in a hotel room. This is kind of fun. It is. Thanks
1: and, to the Hampton Inn. <laughs> yeah, brought thanks. to you by the Hampton Inn. Thanks,
0: guys. We're here for the um well. Some of us on this podcast are young clergy. Yes. Um, those ordained those ordained five years and under. Uh, and then some are the
1: chaperones. Some are <laughs>
0: the chaperones to make sure that we... The young ones yeah, behave. We're not goofballs or whatever. Um, so yeah, every summer, all four dioceses of Iowa. Do you know any other states that do this? The convocation no. thing? It's kind of neat.
1: We do a convocation for seminarians and for young priests.
0: Every summer, I was doing that as seminarians. We'd come together at a different diocese but now we just kind of do it here in des moines every summer for, for, the, the, priest. for the priests. we don't rotate locations yeah, don't, don't, don't mess with them don't rotate so it's like yeah. a little three-day uh conference talking about stuff um i was just coming from the parish from christ the king shout out to father pj for hosting us and i stopped at this high V with a caribou um both of those places are extremely like midwest sure. like, central iowa and minnesota sure uh caribou coffee shop in the high V. now some have known me as an eclectic coffee drinker. Um, you
1: are known to seek out your coffee beans. Made
0: fun of me for that. Uh, and I have explained those different drinks that I like to get on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. However, one of the more confusing things that happens at Midwest coffee shops is that I, I order espresso shots just by itself. I picked that up when I was in Italy for that little trip we went on. Mm-hmm. I did in Guatemala when I was there. Just basically... Every country besides the U.S. the coffee culture is more espresso oriented. Sure, um, as you as you'd know, and but when I ask for that here in the states, they just they can't get it. I'm like, can I have uh, two shots of espresso? And like, do, do you want the lady the girl said, do you want whipped cream on that? I was like, no, I don't. I don't need that. <laughs> and she didn't know what to rig up, so she said, how much does it usually cost? And so I had that moment where my conscience came because I could have said, yeah, <laughs> actually, they usually just give it to me for free. Um, <laughs> No, so then, yep. So she made it for me, and then she gave it to me in this cup with no lid, which I then had to put in my car. Mm. So I said, "Can I have a lid?" Uh, we don't have those for those little cups. She may put a bigger cup. I said, "Don't worry about it." So thanks, Caribou, for the espresso, even though it was kind of awkward.
1: Did she charge you like a double espresso? or Yeah, what? Well,
0: this is what happens. So this is too much coffee information yet again on Outcast Catholic.
1: This is how your life is, though. Okay. If you
0: would take a porta filter uh, at an espresso machine, the thing you see people like click in there, right? Mm-hmm. The normal size of those, the standard size, produces a certain amount of espresso. It's about one and a half ounces to two ounces a shot, if you will. Okay. If you've probably used to seeing in Italian espresso bars, sure. there's two little spouts that pour out. Right. If you allow two little cups to fill up, right, one of the sides of that is a single shot. Right. The other is a single shot together that makes a double shot. Now, like, a, a, like one sort of expressed experience of espresso from that machine is like one espresso, often called a double shot. Okay. Here in the States, Caribou in particular, they hear double and they just click the button that says espresso twice. So it really is like four shots or whatever. I guess you're going to get your caffeine. Who knows, in? but it's just a little, it's a little annoying. I'm sorry. Thanks. Anyways. Um, it's a
1: tough life you lead. It
0: is, it is, uh, but got the coffee. You got lots of espresso
1: going through you. Lots of caffeine.
0: People get all excited about that too. Here's the thing. Espresso is just concentrated. There's just less water. Mm. So it's not any more caffeine than a Mm. cup of coffee. It's the same coffee. Okay, Great. I'm glad go. we ha- had that discussion. Um, Father Shane, What have you been these days? <laughs> I'm good. I don't nothing, have... Don't, nothing with coffee? I don't have Somehow, any. Somehow you're one of these... Actually, here, I'll just like reveal your secrets here on live on... Please, on, uh, go right ahead. Why not? Morning. Father Shane has always surprised me because he doesn't utilize the effects of caffeine. Um, but really? yet he just runs around doing tons of stuff. And I've wondered how <laughs> he does it. Well, when we were driving together earlier this summer, I realized this trick. mints. Well, I do that when I'm uh driving. All about the breath mints. Right. During the day it would be kind of weird if you're walking around with those, but that's your that's your thing. It's kind of just like the little little well, jolt. Just, little, little little sugar jolt. It, well, breath mints. I don't
1: even look at it as a sugar jolt. It actually just keeps me awake when I'm on the road constantly. Right. Just to keep popping the breath mints. So <laughs> Now
0: now we're going to transfer so the espresso's gone and this is what you do. You buy the bottle of sparkling water. Oh. To then just kind of follow up, kind of chase the espresso. So. Okay. A very, very get you European
1: some, afternoon you're having
0: Absolutely. Here. We'll get you some uh, breath mints, though, so you can keep keep rolling through here. Well,
1: I'm feeling pretty good today, but thank Fair. you. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful.
0: <laughs> uh, what has been new in uh, your your uh, neck of the neck of the ministry woods?
1: Well, what is new? Um, school year is off to a good start. Um, seminarians are all doing well. Spoken to many of them, trying to touch base with all of them, how the academic year is unfolding and their new formation year. Good i um, working with some new applicants for seminaries. Hopefully they all persevere. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, and you have been running around uh, to football games because the last time we recorded, you were in Lamar's. Yes. For the healing football game. Did, was, they, they, did they win?
1: They didn't. No, it's been a tough year for the Crusaders. That's right.
0: But nice. Uh, just, whenever this comes out a couple of weeks ago, Galen had a nice win against Lawton Bronson. Congratulations. It was nice, uh, but we've had a rough start too. So it's all right. The Jays and Crusaders can bring it around.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Speaking of sports. Yeah, what do you got? A smooth transition there. Well done. Um, Segway, if you will. Uh, So this is my second year of ministry, second year back in kind of high school. You're a pro. I'm a pro. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) I've just been more and more aware, uh, having been kind of removed from the high school scene of it, and like youth groups and stuff throughout seminary. But uh, yeah, just being really uh, aware of the monopoly that the sports culture has on everybody's time sports is life it is and sports are good not to downplay that they are a good thing like it's it's they can be beautiful i just remember the first time i saw i never grew up with soccer but i was kind of we had like a little seminary team thing and the first time i saw like good soccer players pass the ball and like a really beautiful passing pattern i mean there is just something beautiful of like a team working together to accomplish a goal Mm -hmm. and all of the good things that come from sports and the character that it builds and the and the Uh, different virtues that come from working with a team. But man, like it, it takes, I mean, families have children and then just a few years into their lives, they start sports and they don't stop Mm -hmm. until they go to college. And sometimes they keep playing and that just consumes like so much time, energy, resources, money, life. Um, And it takes people away from a lot of important things, family time, uh, church, (laughs) A lot of things like that. Outdoor recreation, <laughs> reading, yeah. music. Yeah, because so just much. Just chilling yeah. <laughs> as well, a there's family. The, yeah, there's like the two sides of it. There's the family side of of the parents who just constantly go and take care of their children at these different events and are making sure that they're um, bringing the orange slices to the soccer games or whatever as little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a side of the, the, the children themselves. And I see it with high school students, you and I both, with our ministries. I mean, they're involved sometimes from – Gosh, I think the girls for dance, they, they practice dance at like 6.30 in the morning or something. We start at 6 at healing Yeah, with dance, and then they go, yeah. and then if they, then they're then they in school all day. And then if they're in a sport or another activity like speech or drama or something, and then if they have a job and then they go to a game that night, I mean, they're, they're putting in that, like a 14, 15-hour, 16-hour day. Yeah. I'm just keep going. So, yeah, I just thought we could talk a little bit about the sports culture, point out some of the good things, but maybe – try to sift through what are some ways we can break ourselves free from this, um, I think, monopoly that the sports environment culture has on our families and our, our lives.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously here in the Midwest sports plays a, an important role. I mean, like the Friday night game under the lights here in the Midwest, if you get down to the South into Texas, you know, it's perhaps even more prominent. Right. You don't see that like on the coast. I mean, there's not people in living in Manhattan who are like dominated by High school sporting events, but for for small communities across the Midwest, that tends to be kind of a unifier of of culture, bringing a lot of families together. It provides entertainment, you know, for older generations. Uh, There's kind of the thrill of the competition. There's almost a sense of patriotism of representing your hometown or your local school district. Yeah, And, and as you mentioned, as high school chaplains, we work with a lot of sports teams. You know, team football mass, preseason masses for various sports.
0: Well, you kind of taught me and invited me to take up that praying in the like with the team right before the game. Yeah, and then yeah, right in the locker way. rooms. Yep, a lot of coaches will like
1: invite us in, and there's a beauty to that. Uh, creating a, a habit of prayer for all the activities of life, um, but there's just a there's a really great beauty towards sports in general that are are. Really good coaches are are doing a lot more than just instilling you know athletic skills. Yeah, they're instilling life lessons here, teaching us how to to handle victories with humility, how to handle defeats with honor, um, how to persevere in the midst of um, adversity, mm-hmm. um, how to build teamwork, how to listen to authority, uh, how, how to kind of take a long view to say, all right, the season is three months out. What what's your conditioning look like? What's your weightlifting look like? How are you going to prepare to build up the team? What are your long-range goals with this? So there's a lot of value to all of this. Yeah, and
0: almost like over overall of that is just this idea of um, looking at something other than yourself. Right. Focusing on something other than yourself. Right. Looking at a, a team, looking at your school, looking at your community. And that, like the needs get placed above your own kind of selfishness, which is really important in the Christian life. Right. It's really important in just humanity.
1: Absolutely. And, and the sports themselves lend themselves to that, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't be the pitcher without a catcher, right? You can't throw the ball to first base without someone there to catch it. Right. Mm -hmm. It, it, the fact that these are team sports, it just necessarily is ingrained that you have to collaborate with others and rely on others and that you're not always going to be the star of the show. Mm -hmm. And all of that has a great value. But as you point out, uh, all of these, um, teams and clubs and traveling experiences are starting at younger and younger ages, costing families thousands and thousands of dollars, giving up enormous amounts of time on the weekends or the evenings to practice and then travel. There's the hotel costs, there's the restaurant costs, there's the travel costs, plus equipment, uniform costs, entrance fees just to get on the team. And, you know, some of that is, you know, not even before you're at the postseason or like the playoffs or the all-star level, uh, this might just be regular season for a lot of youth uh, teams now, which is which is creating some burnout mentally okay. for some kids. It's also creating some burnout just physically, where they're just like wearing out their muscles or their joints at a pretty young age.
0: Concussions and stuff like that with the football is yeah. huge right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but you, you just you also see uh, just families, I think, feeling exhausted. Um, where they've been on the road consistently for like six or seven weekends, perhaps even traveling out of state. And you just wonder, well, does that family have time just to recreate with each other? Do they have time to go visit grandma and grandpa? Do they, obviously, the elephant in the room, do they have time to go to church, especially considering so many of these sports leagues have given up on the idea of a Sabbath and that the tournaments continue on Sunday morning at 8 Mm a.m.? Um, and go late into the night on Saturday and Sunday. so you might have, you might not have an opportunity to go find a mass in your hometown or where you're traveling. Um, so' there's, there's a enormous an enormous amount of, of good and fruit for family life being sacrificed right now. And this idea that you know sports is king is just really monopolizing people. And to be fair to our listeners, I think you and I you know we sympathize for so many parents. We recognize that, you know, when your child's friends are all on this traveling team together, you your friend or your son or your daughter doesn't want to be left out. We also realize that there's pressure that families get. Like if you're not investing at a young age, there won't be an opportunity to be part of the team perhaps in certain communities in high school because there's this fear or this threat that your child will be so far behind and underdeveloped. So I, th- I think we sympathize with a lot of the pressures that these families are under um, and yet, so I think some, some deeper questions have to really be asked to say, okay, my child might not play in the NFL one day. My child might not be on the professional tour of tennis players and play at Wimbledon, right? Yeah. So how do we, how do we you know enjoy the, the fun of sports? How do we enjoy the, the fun of fr- and fraternity of teamwork? How do we learn and, and be part of a community experience without having this just dominate our lives? Yeah,
0: while well, you were saying that, Father Shane I was thinking that there's in the theme of our podcast feeling outcast it feels like there's two ways that families in that situation feel are tugged by feeling outcast in two different directions one i think like you just mentioned if i don't allow my my child a student to to start at such a young age they'll be behind their other mm-hmm. peers so then I'm going to feel outcast from the kind of the culture of sports. like, And if the, if I'm not starting, I'm in second grade in like this flag football league or four years old or whatever, however young it gets, <laughs> right out of the womb, then they're not going to be at their peak performance level when they're in high school. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, they're not going to be the homecoming king. They're not going to be uh, the starting quarterback, the starting pitcher. Or get the college scholarships. Exactly right. They're not so. going to play in college. They're not going to have this. But then there's the other outcast feeling that I think maybe isn't recognized as much what was that experience that you wanted when you were starting your family? I'm sure the, the sort of goal wasn't just to be like running ragged, like every single weekend to these different sitting on aluminum events. benches. Yeah. And, and bleachers. Then, right. And then you look at these, some of these uh, really beautiful, uh, large farming families from the past that were very open to life. Well, it was beautiful. They, they could sustain a big family like that because they spent most of their time together mm-hmm. in their community, like on the farm in town um, so, yeah, it makes sense that families would be afraid to have such a large family when they're they're already with only three three kids running all over the place right like literally across state lines sometimes right so feeling outcast by the culture of sports, but then also feeling outcast from maybe what you actually want deep down, like family time, time at mass like the what the, the faith that we were we were grown up with so there 's that tension, and I was thinking about um Saint Augustine talked about having sometimes two desires when you're torn in two different directions. Um, and there's a, a great uh, song. Uh, Penny and Sparrow is this kind of folk duet of guys. Um, they have a song called double heart and it's kind of getting at the same theme when you have this two desires that are pulling you in two different directions. But what Augustine is getting to is like, we want this single minded um, desire for something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where it needs to be purified. Like what, what do I actually want? Um, is it for my, child to become an NFL player? Um, I don't know how likely that is. Very um, or unlikely. Or is it to like have Statistically. A, yeah, probably unlikely. Right. <laughs> um, or is it to have a beautiful uh, life with my family? I think that's what a deeper desire is for so many people. Right. But it gets kind of eclipsed by just the pressures of the culture of small town Iowa or the Midwest. And that sense of a
1: divided heart among the parents should also be asked to the children themselves. I have had many, many high school students in my office at school telling me, you know, when I've asked them, well, you think you're going to continue playing you know, sports in college? No, I am done. Or the ones who you know? do start
0: to play <laughs> in college. yeah. Oh, the amount of friends I've had are now young people where they start with high aspirations. And then, I mean, after just even a semester sometimes, just drop it. Because, like, this is impossible.
1: Right. It's a full-time job in yeah. college. But I've just had some high school students just tell me very legitimately, I am burnt out. Mm. I have been doing this sport you know, since perhaps five. six, 12 months a year since, you know, like fifth grade, just constantly. And it, it almost becomes a job in high school. Um, I was recently visiting with um, uh, Kevin Schultz in Sioux City, and uh, he was mentioning his dad, who's a longtime, very successful basketball coach and also a football coach. He pointed out that, you know, he thinks there's a lot of teenagers, uh, teenage boys not going out for football these days, because they've been doing this since fifth grade, mm. maybe since they were third graders. Um,
0: and now I was just talking to families who they start this flag football stuff. Like sometimes when you're like five, right? Yeah. And I
1: think some of the kids are just legitimately getting burnt out. Mm. It'd be a little different when I started. Uh, I did some flag football in grade school, but it wasn't much, and we didn't start with pads until the seventh grade. Yeah. Wow. That's so. I mean, you're far. like you're you're four years in. To padded football and now you're getting to varsity, right? Which I think is a lot different on the body than if you're starting at a much younger age. Mm. Um, so we're to all of our listeners, we're not knocking sports. You know, I, I played high school football, ran high school track. We love sports. We see the the value of it. Mm-hmm. Certainly brings uh, you know a lot of small towns together, both for entertainment and healthy competition. Um, but to all of our families who are just really feeling torn, if you're young adults and you've you've got children in this. Um, in these ages where you're considering sports, particularly if you're looking at traveling teams or you're caught up in the middle of that right now, just really invite you to, do, to bring this to prayer mm-hmm. and to ask the Holy Spirit, what sort of activities does the Holy Spirit really want our families um, to be involved in and to invite God to actually kind of govern that part of your life, how you recreate, how your kids get involved with activities? Mm-hmm. Is it building holiness? Is it building a sense of peace? Or is it just building anxiety because you're just run ragged, and certainly the Sabbath is being destroyed in some of these areas. But maybe even just the integrity of family life.
0: Yeah, to even have room for evening meals together. Yeah, the amount of students who talk about that just not being a part of their lives for many years as their siblings have started sports and then themselves got into it. Yeah, the other piece I was thinking of those who um, maybe don't have families yet, or your kids are out of the house. When we see in especially small town, Northwest Iowa in our diocese, um, the potential that communities have to come together is beautiful. And it's seen in like the usually the annual town festival in the summertime mm-hmm. and things like this at different sporting events, volleyball games, basketball games, football games, baseball games, softball, whatever. It's beautiful to see how, the, uh, how everybody comes together. but then, I think that's what we all want to see at our parishes. Everybody wants that from their parish and, and a live community that is able to gather around something mm-hmm. that's bigger than themselves right. and to celebrate that. But so often we don't see that in parish life, but we do see that just down the street. I remember Kingsley, Iowa, just south of me in Lamars, when I was teaching totus to a uh, summer catechetical program, the parish was right next to the high school baseball field of the town of the public baseball field. But because the church was right next to it, everybody had to park around the whole block for the baseball field. Mm -hmm. So the block was packed with cars. And all the lights were on right next to the church. But of course, in the evening, the church's lights were off. Mm -hmm. And I just had this reflection. I thought about it often. These towns have an incredible potential to bring about community and Christian community at that. Mm -hmm. It's happening, sometimes right next door to the church. Mm -hmm. What if this parish could become the locus and the place for this community? Um, like it once was in the past or even better than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. I think just to realize that when we have that desire and we hear it at maybe out of complaining that, well, nothing's happened in this church, everybody's leaving. Okay, our town has the capacity for that. And what attracts people to come together at the football game, the same thing, the same thing inside of us could be kind of set on fire to come together in our parish community, um, in our Christian community. Yeah, well, to build said, up that's something beautiful. better than just a football game, build up the kingdom of God. Yeah. That would be. That'd be incredible.
1: And the Holy Spirit governs the church, right? And the Holy Spirit, you know, when we surrender, can govern all of our lives, individual lives and family lives. And there's no reason why the vitality and the vibrancy of these parishes coming together and setting communities on fire can't be what it once was. In fact, as you say, can even be beyond what it's ever been throughout our rural
0: communities. Good. Very possible. Keep playing sports. Keep praying for how to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And uh, see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.